Hello, MavMind Collective, and welcome to another episode of the HypnoSales Show. Today, I'm going to be telling my story about how I almost met Neil Peart. Boom, boom. Ding, 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 ding. All right, all you Drummer Rush fans, Neil Peart fans, knows exactly what I just did there. Um, if, you, if you don't know, then um, sorry, I guess you're not a fan. Uh, but I am going to share the story of how I almost met Neil Peart because it's a very personal story and it's something that I learned a great deal uh, for myself. It was very affected personally. And this week um, that your this video is released is uh, one year ago that Neil Peart passed away. So um, I, you know, I was very sad when I heard the news uh, last year and um, I still am kind of sad because Neil Peart was actually probably the only role model that I had growing up. When I was really young, uh, it seemed like everyone was expecting me to have a role model. Like when I got to that age where it's like people are like, well, who's your role model? You know, adults were asking me, who's your role model, Maverick? And I'd be like, I don't know. I guess I should pick one. And I was learning to play the drums at the time. And so uh, Neil Peart just naturally was the, the drummer at the time was the drummer that was just the hero for every drummer in the world. And still, even to the day that he passed last year, still was one of the most influential. Some people feel like he's the best, most famous drummer in the world and will probably be for a long time. But back then, I just he was just the one I listened to. I listened to Rush and I listened to, to Neil and really studied. And I'm also into words and lyrics and he's the primary lyricist for Rush too. So I was attracted to his you know, a drummer that had vocabulary, right? Abilities that had that could describe things and communicate both with words and with beats and rhythms. So, um, so it, I was always influenced by that. Anyway, so um, a few years ago, I had the opportunity to uh, go and actually be in the audience on the David Letterman show. And if you're not familiar with that, or if you're watching this overseas, David Letterman had a late night show here for many, many years, 35 years or something, 33 years, some long big stint like that. And um, this, a few years ago, he decided to have a drummer every night of the week, have a drummer on, on to end the show and just have them let them do a drum solo. And he called it drummer week or drum solo week or something like that. And of course, the first week you did it, he was planning that the, you know, him and his crew, his production crew was planning to have Neil Peart on the, for the Friday, for the end of the week. So imagine a drummer each day of the week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then Neil Peart on Friday. And at that time, Neil Peart had never appeared on TV. He never did, let alone a solo. Rush had never appeared on TV or he had never appeared on live TV at least, let alone by himself. So this was a big deal for Neil to, um, to actually you know, be on, on TV for the first time, especially in America, and to have the millions and millions of people that were gonna be able to see him do his solo. And, and if you follow him, you know he has a famous solo that's like eight minutes long. And all of us know it, all of us drummers know the solo by heart. He never, hardly ever changes it from concert to concert to concert, at least you know, that I'm aware of, it always was the same one. And so we all, it was just like a solo that you would do on a guitar like Van Halen would do or anyone else. God rest his soul as well. Um, miss him as well. Very influenced by Van Halen as well. Um, so I had a chance to go see Neil Peart on this uh, TV show, this David, Le David Letterman show. And, um, and I got to go actually 
uh, and see him rehearse for the show. So this is really cool. So I got in like at that 10 o'clock in the morning where they were going to videotape. It was on a Monday. And David Letterman, just so you know for reference, David Letterman would record Monday night's show as well as Friday night's show both on Monday. He would do both tapings on Monday. And David Letterman actually had Friday, Saturday, and Sunday off. He actually had three, day, three days off. So they do Monday and Friday on Monday. And Neil, since Neil was going to be on the Friday show, he was there to record on Monday. So I was there. I actually got in, got to go on stage and see his drum set, um, got to hang out with Paul Schaefer and his band there for a little while. And then whenever it was time to rehearse, I was told to go sit in the front row, be quiet. I wasn't allowed to talk to Neil, like don't approach him. I was given strict orders by the production manager. And stuff. Can't, can't meet him. Don't talk to him because, you know, as you know, probably Neil is very quiet, personal, uh, very private person. Didn't really, never really handled his fame very well and didn't really like it, even though he's very famous. So my wife and I were both there. We sat in the front row and just was very silent. He comes out and he get his, they roll his drum set out and he plays this solo that he's famous for is eight minutes long. And, uh, you know, they have the camera crew, three or four camera crew people doing the cameras and they're practicing as he's doing the solo. And, and you know, his, his solo, his drum set spins around and kind of has a whole other drum set on the other side with electronic drums and he does a different beat. And then it spins back around again a third time. You know, it's like a whole production, eight, eight and a half minutes of like this, this famous drum solo. So all the camera people are doing, filming it, and they're practicing, getting all the angles and everything. And I'm just like in heaven. I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is my idol. This is my role model. And I'm, I'm, I'm 15 feet away from him. I'm not allowed to say hi to him or anything, acknowledge him. But I'm hearing him play his famous solo and I'm right there. And it's just me and a couple other people. Paul Schaefer and his two teenage sons were sitting a couple rows behind me because they wanted to, he brought his sons in so they could meet Neil and see him. Cause of course, you know, they're famous. So they're going to get to meet. I'm not famous. I don't get to meet them, but I get to like watch this whole thing. So at the end of this eight minutes, he finishes the last beat and it's like fantastic. And of course I'm clapping. Everybody's clapping. The few of us, four or five of us that were in this rehearsal, and the production person comes on the phone and or you know intercom system and says, uh, Mr. Peart, um, that was eight and a half minutes. Uh, you do realize this is a TV show. Uh, we don't have an eight and a half minute block for this. And then he goes and he says, well, well, how long is this supposed to be? And she says over the, the, the producer says, it's supposed to be like three minutes. And the look on his face was like panic. Like what, like what? <laughs> How am I going to make this three minutes? This is like the solo I've been doing year after year after year in every concert over and over again forever. And I've got to cut out almost all of it and cut it down to three minutes. But Neil was determined. You could see his determination. He's like, okay, give me another chance. Let me try it again. And then they started it all over again. And he, re he, he played the whole solo again. This time it was about seven minutes. And the producer comes on, Sir, uh, Mr. Peart, uh, that's still not, still too long. And then, of course, he's just like frustrated, like, really? Okay, let me think, let me think. Okay, all right, I, 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 know, what I, I know what I can cut out. All right, let's do it again. So it was like 15 times <laughs> in a row. 
he was doing the solo over and over and over again, cutting it down, getting it shorter and shorter and shorter. And of course, I'm just, as a fan, I'm just like, this is like the greatest day of my life to see Neil trying to cut his famous eight minute, eight and a half minute solo down to like three minutes, trying his best, frustrated, being creative, trying to figure it out. And finally got it down to four minutes. He cut it in half by four minutes. Uh, and it was like such a struggle for him. He just didn't want to cut anything, but he knew he had to. And it was just really tough for him to remember what he was going to cut out, what he was going to keep, you know, because it's like, it's like uh, any solo of a famous musician, it's kind of what you do. It's like habit. It's like second nature. And he's got to suddenly retrain himself on the spot because this is for TV and he's not going to make this mistake. So, so he, he gets it done to four minutes and the producer finally gives up and says, all right, look, we don't have enough time. We just got to go. We'll just give you the extra minute. Let's just do four minutes. Just do it like that. And we're done. Of course, the crew is exhausted. Everyone's exhausted. He's finally excited. He gets up. He runs back behind behind me to meet Paul Schaefer, and I hear him kind of talking with him and his meeting his uh, Paul Schaefer's two sons, teenage sons. And then the people I'm with that brought me in, they're like, "All right, let's go. Let's get out of here. Let's leave, give him a privacy." So we left. So then later that night, we I come back. My wife and I come back. They're letting us watch the actual taping. So we're up in the balcony this time. We're not in the front. We're in the balcony looking down. And I can and he roll. It comes time to roll out his kit. I can see Neil on the kit, and he's and he's got the sticks and he's and he and his and his his knees going like this. His legs going. He's just like nervous, nervous. And he's just like oh, because they're about to announce, about to come from back from commercial, and, he, and then he's got to go and he's got to remember to do these four minutes. It's going to be live in front of millions and millions of people, and he's just like shaking nervous and his head's down he's not looking and of course the crowd were all going wild you know uh, because we're all fans like all the rush fans found out about him and they're all there and we're just like woo, and we're yelling out his name and everything and he's just like trying to stay in the zone and he's just like shaking and he's just and then david letterman comes on three two one and now here's neil peart and then of course he head comes up just like like he always does perfect perfect zone focus starts playing starts doing his thing no expression just starts going 30 seconds into it stick flies out of his hand he has to grab another one he just keeps playing and then he's like sort of like embarrassed and then the hand and the stick flies out again and now he's pissed he grabs another stick and now he's just mad as hell and he plays and he finishes, he finishes the whole thing, gets it done in four minutes. And when he's all done, the crowd is going wild and he's just sitting behind the drum set. He won't even stand up to shake David Letterman's hand. He's just, he's just looking down so just lost in his disappointment that on live television, he dropped a stick twice in a row and messed the whole thing up. It was like devastating for him. David Lennon, of course, gets up, reaches out. Hey, Neil, thank Neil, and reaches out, makes him stand up. Neil shakes his hand and sits back down and just and is just lost in his disappointment and just can't believe what just happened. So, of course, they roll the drum backs out, and then we all get dismissed. We're all leaving, and I'm just like, wow, like this is going to this is unbelievable. So I'm calling everybody I know telling them that Friday when Neil's on, like I was in the taping and I was in the rehearsal and he drops his stick twice. I'm telling everybody this, like, you're not going to believe this. He totally flubs this, but he managed to finish his finish and he got it down to four minutes. It's unbelievable. You have to watch it. And I'm so excited to tell everybody about it. So come Friday night when this airs on TV, I'm glued, I'm videotaping, I'm recording it. And it's available on YouTube. You can go watch Neil Peart, uh, David Letterman show, whatever. 
drum solo week or whatever and um and he plays and it's funny because as he plays he doesn't drop his sticks he plays it all the way through completely perfectly and I, and I, my reaction was like did they cut that out they must have edited that out i couldn't believe it but it was perfect it was like the perfect four minute solo just like he had done in rehearsal i'm just like wow so i had my friends calling me going you know, I thought he said he was going to drop his sticks. And I said, yeah, we watched him. He dropped his sticks twice, right? One after the other, slipped out of his hand. But he didn't do it there, and it was perfect. I don't know how they edited that out. It was unbelievable because he went through all the same things he was playing. I mean, I know his solo. I know what he cut out, and I know what he did, and it was perfect. So I called my friend who got me into the rehearsal, part of the David Letterman show, and I, I called him and I said, what's the deal? Like, what happened? Did they edit that out? And he tells me this. Maverick, Neil came back after the show was all done. He came back and he made the camera crew come back and he made him redo it again without an audience. He made him retape it. And I think he paid. He paid him or whatever. I don't know how he did it. Maybe he paid out of his own pocket, but he made sure that they taped him doing it perfectly all the way through the four minutes without dropping a stick. And then they, and then they edited in the us in the audience, they edit us in for key parts of it. But if you watch that recording on YouTube, you can see there's a moment where it's behind them kind of shining out and the lights are really bright and you can't really see the audience. But if you look real close, you can see there's no one, there's no one just for a second, like no one in the audience, but they had the lights shining so bright on the cameras that you couldn't quite tell unless you really looked. But he actually came back and actually redid it because he was not going to let his moment of glory, that first and only time he was going to appear on TV, be a showcase of his mistake. He was going to make sure that it was a reflection of his reputation and who he was. And that was my role model. That's what really touched me when I found that out. I was surprised, but I also was touched that he would go through that much trouble and, he, and I guess spend that kind of money to make sure that we remembered him the way that he wanted to be remembered, which was that he was perfect, that he was great, that he, was, that he made sure he put his best in, in everything that he did. And so to this day, since then, I think about that when I'm working on stuff myself and I realize, could I do this better? Is this what I want people to see me as? Is this the reputation I want to give away? Just like Neil, what would Neil do? I ask myself that sometimes, what would Neil do? Would he let, would he allow this mediocre performance to go through and be the only representation of him, or would he would he go back and redo it until he got it exactly the way he wanted? And that's what I use that as motivation now. So I wanted to share that story. I hope you enjoy it, um, and I hope you share it with someone else who's a drummer um, to know that about Neil, because I think that it's important that we remember him for the man that he was and for the genius that he was and just for the inspiration that he was for all of us. Thanks for watching. Until the next time, I'll see you on the next Hypnosale Show. This is Maverick.